Um, welcome to everybody that's joining us online. Um, by the way, we, we truly welcome you. We have people in Chicago, people in Alaska. We're getting messages from people all over the country and some outside the country. There are people in Pakistan that are in Dubai that are joining us. So we welcome them. Amen. It's exciting. So the series about the, his, the Holy Spirit Reformation, as I kicked it off, it's called, If You Know, You Know. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you know, then you don't know that you don't know. But if you know, you know. How many of you know? Like you know that you know. There are too many Christians that they don't know. And there they, for they don't know that they don't know. It's the truth. We're going to drill down. And this morning I want to talk to you. Half-brained Christianity. Um, comes from, when I kick this series off, as the Holy Spirit would do it. I don't have time to give this justice, but I think I see you, Suzanne, back. I have this book. Um, highly recommend it. The Other Side, or The Other Half of Church. The, the things that I said three weeks ago, I said, I've never taught this here, this stuff here about how the brain is designed, how God designed it, and how the Holy Spirit and what Scripture teaches comes in to heal and deliver and rescue our brain to make us whole in spirit, soul, and body. And uh, the fact that you, get, you had that book that Sunday to give to me and already written a note in it, and um, just only the Holy Spirit could do it. And so this gives a lot of deep teaching on things that I have felt and I had already begun to share a couple weeks ago. And I'm just so excited about this series. All right, so half-brain Christianity. John chapter 8, very familiar passage of Scripture. Jesus says this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many of you have ever heard that verse before? <laughs> if you hold to my teaching, yes. then you're really my disciples. And if you know the truth, you will experience freedom. Four verses later in verse 36, he says, if the Son sets you free, you are free for real. What all of us want is whether we need it or, I mean, whether we realize we need it or not is we need freedom. We want spiritual freedom, what we sang about in that first song. The, passage, the passion translation of this whole passage is found right here in verse 31. Listen, it says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. So these are Jewish people who had accepted him as the Messiah. He says, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. Let me, let me just drop this. If you, there's six different things that I'm going to extract, but this isn't the message. But we're gonna, these few verses, there's six things that we will extract. And the first one is, he says that when you continue to embrace all that I teach, hear me, you can't do that in your own strength. That's something that will require Holy Spirit empowerment. 
You can't do it in your own strength. So he says, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you're my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. Now, everybody understand the second thing is the truth does the work. You knowing that you know, like really knowing truth brings freedom. Verse 33, surprised by this, isn't that funny bunch of church people getting stretched and they're surprised by how, how basic can you get? If you're really my disciples, you'll hold to the teaching and you'll know truth and that'll bring freedom. And that shocked them. And then look, they get defensive in their religious posture. Says, um, but we're descendants of Abraham and we're already free. Laugh out loud. Does that sound, anybody catching already what I'm catching? Bro, you ain't ever been free since he brought you out of Egypt. Even before then, hundreds of years. Yes, you are the seed and the children of Abraham. And your destiny is freedom. But y'all haven't realized it yet, so hear my teaching, Jesus would say. There are people. That's, that's our natural, defensive, spiritual reflex. I, I don't need this. This is for my husband or my wife. This is for somebody else. Y'all tracking with me? We're already free. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How could you say that we will be released into more freedom? How many of you just trust that there's probably more freedom than you have actually experienced yet? Come on. How many of you want to actualize that freedom? I'm not just, I'm, don't raise your hand if you don't mean it. We don't have time to waste. It's crowded around here. We need your seat next week if you're not going to get into the program. Amen. Sorry. Whew. Sorry. Not sorry. Verse 34. This is so good. Jesus is going, I, you've got to get this for where we're going. He goes, I speak eternal truth. You see the difference? Say, you'll know the truth. Truth say. And, and they didn't get it. And he goes, I'm talking about concepts that they have eternal. It's like the time he said to the disciples, he said, these words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. There's more going on than what is meeting your ears. And it's every... It, if we're in the spirit, it should be that way. Every time we do what we're doing right now, there should be more happening than what Pastor Chuck is doing. How many of you want more than... y'all? Are y'all tracking with what I'm saying? We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in this place. We welcome you. I speak eternal truth. When you sin, you are not free. You've become a slave in bondage to your sin. And slaves have no permanent standing in a family like a son does. For a son is a part of the family forever. And he's, he's about to reveal his position. He says, so if the son, we went from lowercase s to capital S. Now we know who we're talking about, right? Jesus is self-reflecting. He said, now if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and be unquestionably free. Even though you are descendants of Abraham, you desire to kill me. Oh, don't me. 
is this? You desire to kill me. You, you're the sons of Abraham. I'm the promised Messiah. And you want to kill me. Why? Because the message I bring has not found a home in your hearts. You know, but you don't know. Are y'all out there? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Lord, do more than I can do. Say more than I will say. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We wel we, Lord, with, without your spirit in this place, this will just be an intellectual discourse. This will just be me up here talking. But if you come, you use me and speak through me and you anoint our ears to hear, there will be permanent, there'll be eternal truth revealed and deposited in us. And we will be forced to change by your spirit. Breathe your Ruach breath, your life in us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit Reformation. I think the Holy Spirit's been left out of the church, been treated like an a, a embarrassing aunt at the family reunion that you, pl you pray. She shows up late and leaves early. And that's how we've treated the Holy Spirit. And we have a, not a full-brained Christianity. We have a, a half-brained Christianity. And therefore, we listen, we don't understand how people are changed. We don't understand spiritual formation. And therefore, the church, because it's not able to offer the ability for a person who's confused sexually to be delivered, we have to change the rules and to accommodate. And we don't have power to deliver from not just those sins, but sins of overeating, gossip, alcohol, pornography. And so we have to change our doctrine to appease instead of offend. And so we have a half-brain, Holy Spirit-less experience that has to turn into some type of show or people aren't going to keep coming. Y'all tracking with me? The human brain has two sides, dual processors, like a smartphone. One, hand, one, part of the, one, part of, one of the processors in a smartphone can handle the call, the phone call. The other process can handle the apps and, and going online. The human brain is just like that. It has two processors, one on the right and the other on the left. And they work together, but they specialize in different responsibilities. And we talked about this three weeks ago. And for those of you who weren't here, let me give you just a, a brief recap. The, the brain has two types of memory and two sides, the right side and the left side. And we're learning so much in the last 20 years what we've learned about the brain. Hear me. It is amazing what we've learned about the brain and how it connects to the Word of God and how now things God said in His Word make incredible sense. We talk about the semantic memory. And the semantic memory, it's, it's where stuff is stored in your prefront, prefrontal lobe. It's like Jeopardy knowledge, data facts. You know the states and the state capitals. But most of us forget some of those out in the Pacific Northwest because that kind of data is use it or lose it. And so we've lost it. And we used to know all the presidents and we could name all 46 of them. But now it's like, 
George Washington, the guy with the beard, and uh, Carter, Reagan, you know, and we can do that. And that's how that kind of knowledge is. And it's semantic memory. Semantic, it, it's words. And then the second part of our brain is the episodic or autobiographical memory. Everybody listen. It has to do with episodes that you've lived through that are part of your biography. Things that have happened to you, good or bad, ways you've been wounded, hurt, or affirmed and accepted and loved. And that part of your brain is really the seat of who you are. It's the memory of your story, things or episodes that you've lived through or survived. It's actually your identity. It's the sum of things you have experienced and you remember. Things that have shaped you. Everybody remember from three weeks ago. Now we understand semantic and autobiographical. Those two, that's, that's how our brain works to remember things. Now, let's move from that. This is what I want to introduce just briefly this week. Is the left side and the right side of the brain. When I walk into a room and you greet me, your face tells me more than your mouth does about how you feel about me coming into the room where you are. The right side of my brain, before you say a word, gathers so much more data than the left side of my brain. The left side of my brain will listen to what you say. And how many of you know, often people say things that they don't say. And those are the things that affect you the most. The left side of the brain just calculates facts, data, logic. The right side of the brain picks up on a whole lot more. Um, the left side of my brain understands what you say. The right side of my brain tells me everything. The left side is what we commonly think of as the mind. Logical thinking, problem solving, language. Two plus two equals four. The right side of the brain starts processing our surroundings and draws conclusions before the left side of our brain is even aware of what's happening. It's called pre-conscious thought. Please, we're going somewhere. I hope you're listening so in eight minutes you don't go, why is everybody excited? I got lost. Okay. Preconscious. There's things I know before I even realize them. Seeing our granddaughter this week for the first time in a few months. The right side of my brain heard what she was saying even when she couldn't speak words intelligibly. I've heard many of you say this in the last few weeks. When you pulled onto this church campus for the first time or you walked across the parking lot onto the sidewalk and into the lobby the first time, the right side of your brain had already told you what kind of church this was going to be. Many of you have said, when we pulled into the parking lot, when I walked up the sidewalk, I felt something. 
That's the right side of your brain. For some of you, you went searching online to discover more about Restoration Church before you came. And the right side of your brain and the left side of your brain were involved. You wanted to find out where we're located, what time the service starts, what's the doctrine. You wanted to look at some pictures and see, is the pastor look normal or like a cult leader? <laughs> and some of you were worried, but you came anyway thinking, <laughs> we're not sure. That's what the left side, that's why everybody's going online. Check, let's listen to a sermon or two and let the right side of our brain get involved. And that right side of our brain is so critical. This is why I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. When I was a youth pastor, you can stay and teach Wednesday night, Wednesday night, Wednesday night for decades to kids. And you can tell them God loves them. Obey your parents. You can overcome the challenges you faced. And they go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, we're going on a retreat. Let's go. I want to go. Oh, mission trip. Okay. And, and what happens is, just like adults, we, we teach, 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 lecture, 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 present truth, present truth, get more creative in the way we present it, and we present, and your left side of your brain goes, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. The reason, what I did was, as a youth pastor, and I mentioned, I the, the mission statement of our, church, of our youth group back then had to do with developing a firsthand faith. We wanted our kids to have an encounters with God in the youth group. And that's not from great teaching, ever. I mean, it can lead them to encounters or can tee it up and Holy Spirit can use things in their, in their life. But there are no great explosive changes that happen in teaching, 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 teaching. The left brain is engaged. And so what we did was I learned we have to get them out of this environment. We gotta take them on mission trips, put them in danger. And many of you heard me talk about that. And that's where the right side of their brain began to go, he's right. We can overcome. The truth, God does love me because I feel his love flowing through me to someone and we would do something very unique and we would seniors in high school listen I mentioned this a couple weeks ago but I, I bring it up because I want you to really get what I'm saying now, this illustrates it perfectly when they were seniors in high school we would take them before they graduated and we would just kind of give them help them to get the right side of their brain engaged to understand who they are and like the first thing we did, we would take them to Northside Hospital at the, the neonatal where babies are born. And we would have them write everything you know about your family when you were born. Some of them right then would break down and go, my mother was teenage, unwed. Or they, and then I would say, before we leave, share about the first memory you have in your life. Write a page. Then we'd go to an elementary school. And, we'd, and sometimes it was at the school that they went to in kindergarten. And we'd go, do you remember your kindergarten teacher? Do you remember getting off the bus or on the bus the first time? What was on your mother's face? And some of them would melt down there. <sighs> so my mom was already at work. 
my, I, have, I want my older brother. And they, they've gone from left brain, left brain, I know, I know, to, and then we would go to middle school and then to a high school. And then we would go to a funeral home. We'd say, right, just write as much as you can about what you want to be remembered by. And then we would go to a junkyard. Y'all have heard me say it. And we'd find a Porsche or a Range Rover or a Mercedes. And go, look at that, man. You think the person who bought that and drove it off the lot ever envisioned this? And it's a, it's a day of awakening. Some of your kids, when you, they went on the, those experiences. That's right brain. And that's where transformation takes place. Now, everybody listen to me. I'm getting ready to drop some. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. The left side of our brain can know all the right stuff. But without knowing it, it can grow sour and it can inoculate you. Listen to me. And that's what creates high-minded intellectualism. That's what's destroying college campuses today. I take pride in what I know. Yeah, but you don't really know it. You just know a lot of stuff. You think you know everything. And that's what only, listen to me, you can get fed truth every Sunday, but if you never go out of here and, and live out that truth, it will cre you will become a Pharisee, a, a Sadducee, a religious bigot. That's what you'll become. And you will not have love, but you'll know all the scriptures. You'll be like the Pharisees, Jesus said. Y'all memorized the whole Old Testament, and it said that, I was coming. I'm here, and you don't even realize everything you've memorized because it's here, not here. It's here only, not here. And you're missing the Messiah. And that's what happens. High-minded intellectualism when you know things only. Now listen to me. I, I'm doing this backwards. I'm on my left. It's your right, so I'm going to help you. So the left over here of my brain is facts, Two plus two equals four. It's like my semantic memory. I know Jeopardy stuff. Over here is the right side of my brain, and that's where when I see my little granddaughter, I just see her face when I walked in. She said more than she could ever say, and I, that's where I understood what she said. This is like my autobiographical episodic memory, the ep the things that have happened to me and have made me who I am. Everybody listen. I don't, I'm going to stretch you right now. I believe we know enough about the brain to understand more about who the Holy Spirit is because of the explicit detail about Holy Spirit living that Jesus gave us. I believe that God gave the Holy Spirit to come and deal with this. This side of our, the episodes, the things I've been through, the hurts I've experienced. This is why Ezekiel 36 in the Old Testament, remember I said, what do we learn in the Old Testament? Two things. Number one, 
we go, wow, we need, um, we need a perfect sacrifice. Everybody remember the whole, old, the whole Old Testament is about when can Jesus get here? We need a Messiah. Y'all out there? That's what it's about. I'm reading through it right now. It's painful. Oh, let me, you go, how could they kill, go in and kill the, all the children and the animals? You know how they, why do you see such gory stuff in the Old Testament? Because of the depravity of man. Man can be incredibly wicked. Hear me. We're beginning to see in our culture, most of us for the first time in our lifetime, that same spirit of depravity. We don't need God. We don't answer to God. We're not going to make laws to please him either. And now what's happening? We're becoming a savage culture. And we're that close to a civil war in this country again. Y'all out there tracking with me? What was I saying? I don't know, but it was good. (laughs) And so in the Old Testament, we go, we need Jesus. And when Jesus came, he changed the whole planet, the whole universe, because we're under a new covenant. And he became the perfect, and God was satisfied with what happened on the cross. And it changed the atmosphere and the, it changed the weather pattern. You think it's bad now, you should have seen it before the cross. You should have seen it before the fall. Then you could appreciate how awesome our God is. So we see in the Old Testament, we need a savior. The second thing we see is we need somebody to help us please God. Now that we've taken care of our shame and guilt, we need some on button to help us live for him. And we see the need for the Holy Spirit. And so what, what happened in Ezekiel 36? The prophet speaks about this day that we're living in now. You need to underline, highlight, put this in your Bible. You need to have this on your hard drive. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 7 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from, your, from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I'm about to fall over again reading this. I need to park here for 30 minutes because I don't know if you realize what I just read to you. The God of the universe said, I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to obey me. Are y'all true? Is that look on your face going, I'm trying to get this in my right brain and left brain. I want it in my top brain, my bottom brain, my front brain, my back brain. I want it in my episodic memory. I want it in my autobiography. I want it in my semantic memory. I want it in my wife's front brain, top brain. This is the promise that God says, I will give you my spirit. Now, how many of you realize then you know what, Pastor Chuck? You might be right. We might need a Holy Spirit reformation. We might need to invite the aunt that we thought she was abnormal back to the family reunion because she was the only normal one in the whole family. We've got a whole dysfunctional church and we need the Holy Spirit to be welcomed back in so he can make us functional again. Are y'all out there with what I'm saying? 
Now, everybody got it? This is God saying, I'm going to come in that part right there. I'm going to heal that. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to restore that. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Be transformed by the renewing. And there's a million scriptures. Well, maybe not a million. Scriptures that now we see the weight of the truth of what Holy Spirit does in our life. Now, I'm closing with this. Three things I'm going to say to you. Number one is this. We need to acknowledge three very important things. The first one is this. Most of what we've been exposed to in ministry is a shoulder-up ministry style that appeals mostly to the intellect. Most of the people who are in this church, especially the ones that have come the last six or eight months, most of what you've been exposed to is a shoulders-up, head-only, intellect-only ministry style. 1 Corinthians, this is why Paul says this. And when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come as someone superior in speaking ability or wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I also, listen, was with you in weakness and fear and in great trembling when I talked to you. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of mankind, but on the power of God. Listen, why did Paul say this? Why did he say, I didn't come to impress you with my speaking ability? You know why he said it? Because they were living in a day when all the other teachers in the synagogue depended on that impressive display of knowledge. That's why preachers typically say words like God differently. There's a, there's a thing that they have to get to. And Paul was saying, I didn't do that. I just came and told you about the cross. I said, I'm not even going to try to impress them that I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I've been to the best of all the synagogues. I've been trained in all the best Ivy League synagogue seminaries, but I didn't rest on that. And it caused me to be fearful, and I trembled before you. And I forfeited me trying to impress you so that your faith would not rest on the fact that I went to an Ivy League synagogue seminary. I wanted you to understand the power of God. Most of us, have been exposed to ministry and teaching and preaching that appeals to the left side, semantic. And we come to have a shoulders up experience. We need to acknowledge that. It's what we've been exposed to. It was the woman at the well when Jesus, he gently introduces himself. He says, uh, Good afternoon. She goes, wait, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Why would you, what, what are you doing talking to me? You know, she'd been sleeping around. She'd been through divorce court five times, not once or twice. Five, this is a different, I had a divorce. I married the wrong guy. This is a, 
This is a problem. This is, a, this is a, an identity. That's why she went in the heat of the day to get water because nobody else went then. She thought she could sneak in and sneak out. And Jesus stopped there and waited on her. Oh. And he, he says, uh, good afternoon. She goes, Jesus said, oh, it's okay. If you knew who it was that was talking to you, you'd ask me to get you water. And then he goes on to say, and the water that I would get you, it, you never thirst again. She goes, really? Get me some of that water. <laughs> then she said, there's so much to unpack, I have to skip over it. She goes, sir, you don't even have anything, you don't even have a bucket. You know how many times you, God says, oh, I, can, I, can, I got you. My promise is still true. And you go, I don't think you, you don't even have a bucket, God. <laughs> Y'all get what I just said? Yeah. That, and she, so he had to peel back the layers. And he says, go get your husband. Notice he didn't say, Been, how many times you've been married? He said, go get your husband. It was such a gentle, dove-like, Holy Spirit-inspired moment. And she goes, sir, I don't have a husband. There's no way you and I can even go there and see. This is the master of the universe who stopped by to see a battered, abused, divorcee, 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 divorcee. And he's being gentle, and she goes, I don't have a husband. He goes, I know. And the man you're living with, he's not even willing to call you his wife. And as a prophet, as truth comes in, just like in the earlier thing, hey, we're Abraham's children. <laughs> we're free. As, as the truth begin to get closer to her, what do people who are dysfunctional or filled with shame do? They go religious. And she goes, ah, I can see that you're a Jew. Our religion teaches us that we should worship here. And I know your religion teaches that we should worship there. And Jesus says this, my father is seeking worshipers. Let me, let me just stop right there. I, I don't know if we've ever been taught the, 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 the weight of, Jesus is saying to this woman, my father is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Left brain, right brain. Head, shoulders up, and heart, shoulders down. Oh. I want to just be so true to the text and what God is saying right here. He's basically saying, woman, you can be rescued and your life will be transformed if you can go here and here and start worshiping, not just here or not just here. What do most churches do? One or the other. Most denominations are either shoulders up or shoulders down. And, and when she said, when he says that, 
Who knows what the story of the rest of her life? I, I don't even know if I'm going to get to t- point two or three, but I just, Holy Spirit is massaging some things into our spirits, things that we need to know. It, it, let, me, let me say a couple things. Um, I grew up in a denomination, a church, a church of God, just like this one, spirit-filled, that it was shoulders down only. And what does shoulders down only? You know, because everybody go, you're, you're a spirit-filled, the P word, Pentecostal. And you're going, yeah, quit using your brain so much, people. Don't, and you're going, don't feed us that stuff, Pastor Jerry. That is not what I'm saying. Because I grew up in the shoulders down, hyper-emotionalism. We don't even, you know, they say our church would shout at the drop of a hat and, and everybody would bring a hat so they could drop it. And everybody shout. You go, what are we shouting about? I don't know, but it just feels good. So let's everybody shout. Turn the music up louder, play it faster. Anybody been around one of those churches? We earned our reputation. But I'm not saying shoulders up only either. When I was traveled and spoke, I spoke in youth camps, Church of God youth camps all over the country. And the first night, breakthrough. The second night, breakthrough. Third night, they're going to default mode. They all came from these Pentecostal churches. And it didn't matter what I preached on. I could say, turn to first ESPN chapter two. And they'd be like, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, I hear you. And, and I would have to tell them, stop. Because if you can get the truth, then you're going to be transformed because you're receiving it. Your spirit is open. Are y'all out there and tracking with me? And, and here's what... If spirit-filled churches could value truth and present it to people who realize, I don't want it just here. I want it here. How many of you know spirit with no truth is a problem? How many of you know truth with no spirit is a problem? How many of you know truth and spirit is a worldwide revival? It's what started and birthed the church. That's what it's about. Come on, if you will praise the Lord. We're praising this is what we're praising. The word, the power is in the word. Amen. I'm going to try one more point. The, the second thing that we need to be aware of is you need to not only be open to more Holy Spirit in your life, but you must understand that Holy Spirit is your life. Holy Spirit is not optional equipment. It's not like GPS or leather seats. It's standard equipment. Can I get a witness? I, I could go to at least 100 places in Scripture, but let's go to the second verse in the whole Bible. Verse 2, chapter 1, Genesis. The earth was without form and void. Anybody that's ever been the description of your life? Or your current circumstances? Come on, be honest. Anybody realize that's, that's kind of like the world we're living in right now? Don't get silent on me. I'll preach 30 more minutes if you do. I'm serious. I only get to see you once a week like this. We can't waste a week. You need to get truth bombs going on. We, our world is dying for churches like this one to be set on fire where the glory of God is undeniable and real. So 
How many of you know our world is it's formless and void and dark? What's some of the translations say? Um, the earth was new, only chaos. Verse 2. We're just two verses into the Bible. There's chaos. Darkness was over the face of the deep. Oh, and thank you, Jesus, for the B part. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What was the Spirit of God doing? Just hanging out. Waiting for God to speak. The next verse says, And God said, Let there be light. And Holy Spirit got it. Poof, light. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. Confirm the word of God. Reveal the word of God and accomplish the word of God. Let's go to another. We'll go to New Testament. Luke chapter 1, verse 34 and 35. Mary said to the angel, Now how am I going to conceive? How am I going to give birth to the Messiah? You've heard me teach on this. The angel came with a word from the Lord. What was the word from the Lord? Angel? Uh, Mary, you're going to conceive the long-awaited Messiah. How many of you ever heard a word from the Lord that you go, that's too good to be true? I don't know if you can do that. Come on. You're, you don't even have a bucket. You ever, ever got it? Has Pastor Chuck ever preached something? You go, he's always, he needs to try the decaf every once in a while. Seriously. It, I, Every Sunday when I come here, you, you should live with me. I'm dialed back. I'm serious. I believe this stuff. The word of the Lord came and said, you're, and she goes, I, how can that be? Oh, everybody, you're way too early. Seriously. Y'all get take, grab a seat. Grab a seat. Hey, Mark, what goes around comes around, right? I love you. <laughs> They're not that early. I just. <laughs> Lewis. Oh, I'm glad we can have fun. So Mary says, how? How is that going to happen? And the angel answered her, verse 35, and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Listen, do you, what, what needs to happen right now is, and I think it's happening, the Holy Spirit is overshadowing Chuck Ramsey right now. We want... Holy Spirit to overshadow and do what only he can do through us. His plan for his, this sermon, his plan for you being an accountant, you being a school teacher, you being a wife, a mother, listen, you being a husband. How can I not be angry? It's all I've ever known. Let truth go from here to here and let Holy Spirit conceive Jesus in your womb. And make you a husband that will honor and love your wife like Christ loved the church. I gotta hurry. Is anybody getting anything what I'm saying this morning? 
that autobiographical, that right side of you, that part of you that makes you you, what you've been through in your journey, all of those memories. And I know in this room, I know some of you. You'd, most of you would be shocked at what some of us have been through. This is why God said, I will put my spirit in you. I will give you a new mind. I will take your stone cold heart and make it soft and supple. I'm going to come and live in that part of who you are that is broken. How's he do it? I've got a couple quick. Number one, he, he illuminates the word. You know, like right now, I'm going to hurry, but like there's a spot on that wall. About halfway up, right in the middle, there's a little spot I put there. You see it? If you do, you got more insight than I do. It's right there. Now you see it? You know what I just did? I illuminated the truth. There are people here, all you've heard is left brain, shoulder up, shoulder up, same old messages, just like kids in our youth group growing up. And the Holy Spirit's never been welcomed into your life for him to illuminate truth. John 16, verses 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them at the present time. Even that's a beautiful truth. Jesus says to the disciples, you aren't wired to receive the stuff you're going to receive. But when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be able to receive the things that I can't say to you yet. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide, oh, he will guide you into all truth. Somebody say all truth. All truth. Everybody got it? Yes. Second thing, Holy Spirit reminds you of everything Jesus said. How many times have your kids gone out and they just needed you to be with them and remind them what you've already told them? How many of you ever been lonely, confused, broken, hurt, and you just needed to be reminded of what Jesus has said to you? Anybody tracking? John 14, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. And then isn't it beautiful, the thing he says next? Peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Number three, Holy Spirit is a paraclete. A comfort. I, I love the term paraclete. It's a Greek term. People go, what's it mean? And we always go, it means comforter, counselor, one who comes alongside. It means one who advocates. But I love paraclete as an old athlete. You know what a paraclete is? It's what football players put on their feet on Friday nights. You know what's on the bottom of those things? Cleats. And they come alongside of you. And when you plant here, you can go here. And if you wear your Sunday shoes, you're not, you might plant here, but you don't have anybody coming alongside you, comforting you, counseling you, helping you get out of the way of that linebacker that's coming to try and tackle you and knock your helmet chin strap loose. You know what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is like that. <sighs> Moving along, John 14, verse 6. You can check it out. Let, you, you know what? i got to break this down. I'm going to let you out of here at 1135. How many of you believe that by faith? <laughs> Some of y'all, somebody over here hasn't clapped in two months, and you're clapping right now already. <laughs> um, my daughter is in her first year after graduate school, and she didn't divulge any names, but she's a counselor. 
She married a youth pastor there at a great church in Augusta. She was sharing with us. She was out in Colorado Springs with us this week. And she was talking about, you know, by the way, she can't take any more clients. She's old. Her schedule's full. She just went there and put a little ad on psychology today. People are broken and hurting. You're like, she's 26 years old. She's barely, she hasn't even been married a year. And people are hurting. And some of the stories, the things she's learned is just incredible. She had one little girl who just foster home this, that, winds up in one of the homes of a staff member. And um, Caroline counsels this little girl and gets no response. You've seen these kids. They're so hurt and wounded, they're numb. Caroline said after five or six appointments, they were like, we're going to try one more, and we don't know what to do. Caroline said, Dad, before she got there, I prayed in the Spirit. She said, and for those, in my prayer language, I just prayed. God, I don't even know what to say. She just prayed. She said, the first time I ever saw an expression on her faith, her face, she changed, went home. They reached out to me, the parents, and said, what did you do? Yes. The girl has been transformed. There's like a breakthrough coming through. I, I could elaborate on that story, but I hope you get my point. She can go left brain. I'm trained to be a counselor. I know how to lead them into a place of admitting their faults, forgiving, and all this stuff. And she's like, God, I've done it all. I've, it's not by might. It's not by power. My might, my power is not working. So all I knew to do is Romans 8. and just I don't even know how to pray, so I let the Holy Spirit pray through me. And she came into my office, Dad. This little girl, she's like everybody, many of these little millennials, just been through so much. And that, right, that side of their autobiographical memory is just, ah! And breakthrough came through the power of the Spirit. How many of you want that kind of breakthrough in your situation, in your heart, in your head? I'm going to skip down. We'll, we'll pick it up next week. Under point number two, there was two other things. The Holy Spirit parents us. He fathers and mothers us. Romans 14, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. Somebody here needs to hear that in your heart this morning, not just your head. Holy Spirit parents us. He's given us a spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. And then the last one under that second point is Holy Spirit empowers us to be effective witnesses. Yes. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you.
to the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you can do what you were created to do. You can be who you were created to be. And listen to me. Let your crazy aunt back at the family reunion. Listen, you need the Holy Spirit more than you realize you need the Holy Spirit. Is anybody out there this morning? Come on. Anybody hungry for the Holy Spirit? Oh, there's so much. I want to keep teaching, but I'm not going to. Um, there's places throughout Scripture. There, I want to close with this one. You, would y'all welcome our praise team back? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dean Bogle. Get this picture, okay? Um, I know every, I know there's like eight sermons I'm preaching right now. I know that this is, I'm going to close with this one. Um, remember the story, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they don't have any children. He's old. She's old way past. Isn't it amazing? The people who couldn't have children, Abraham said, or Paul said in Romans four, Abraham and Sarah, their, her womb was as good as dead. And yet those are the people who gave birth to Abraham, Jesus. Y'all tracking what I'm saying? And John the Baptist. Zacharias in the temple doing his duties. It's his time as a priest to pray. He goes into the temple and he prays. And what happens? An angel appears. And the angel says, hey, Zechariah, God has heard your prayers. And he said, say what? He said, God has heard your prayers. And the Bible said he stayed in there so long, everybody outside thought he's dead. Look, when you go to a church and God starts showing up, you may end up staying longer than usual. You just may. And I don't make any apologies for it. Our 70, 65 and 70-minute sermons have gotten us into this condition in the Western church. Pastors are saying now, I'm not going to re-preach sermon from three weeks ago, but pastors are saying, we've gotten so organized, we don't have time for the Holy Spirit to show up anymore. How many of you know when the Holy Spirit doesn't show up when your crowd gathers in the name of Jesus, you're no longer a church. You might be a PTA you might be an HOA group, but you're not a church if Holy Spirit isn't showing up. I wish somebody would say amen because we mean that around here. And, Zach, and the angel says, your wife will conceive. And he begins to talk back and go, I think you got the wrong guy. I think you were supposed to be here yesterday. One of those young little whippersnappers was in here. He said, no. And because you doubted, you tried to abort the word from the Lord, he's going to, and you can't speak. Nine months pregnant with an old lady, no pun intended, pregnant. And he couldn't talk back or defend himself or encourage her or nothing. 
Y'all, this is in the Bible. This is not Jerry Springer. This is really in the Bible. We don't give life to the, this is, this happened. They thought he was dead. He stayed in there so long. He comes out and he goes, This is so awesome. While God's doing that over in just outside of Nazareth, he's sending an angel to tell her, ne her cousin, I know you're not married yet, but you're going to give birth to the Messiah. We already went over that, and she receives that word. And the Bible says in, the in Luke 1, Mary made haste to go see Elizabeth, she must have heard something similar happen to Elizabeth. Mary made haste to get over there. And the Bible says when Mary walked in and greeted Elizabeth, John the Baptist, who was in her belly three months, first trimester, leaps in her womb. And Mary, uh, Elizabeth realizes, listen, what some of you are realizing, or most of you are realizing this morning, truth just came in the room. I felt that. And Elizabeth says, Mary, the mother of my Lord, the baby in my belly just leapt full of the Holy Spirit. And then here's what Elizabeth does, what we need to do, as opposed to high-minded intellectualism. Elizabeth goes, who am I that the mother of my Lord would come see me? When we go, hey, I got a truth bomb, I got a sermon, I'll wow you. And we're doing that in spirit-filled churches, too. We're preaching trendy little, grow my Instagram following. And we walk off like we're something special. I'm just a bag of dirt from the country. Seriously. His truth, if it can flow through me, I know me. She's married to me. If God can speak to you through me, his truth and his spirit is awesome. What am I saying? I'm saying this. You need to go to a church that every once in a while, something leaps inside of you. Not just your head going, all right, I got it. That's logical. You need that. We can't just come and go, hey, let's get emotional. God is good. No, we need to have this. And this, anybody, is anybody else's womb right now? Do y'all hear what God Oh, Jesus. Just receive what God is. 
stand with me, brothers and sisters. Come on, just, you go, Pastor Chuck, it's like my boys. I've had two teenage boys go, Dad, how do I surrender? How do I do that? Just acknowledge the fact that you need to. You've been living shoulders up only. Just lift your hands. Put yourself in a posture to say, you, you men that are here, don't, don't overcomplicate it. Just say, I need help, God. Breathe on me. Fill me with your spirit. Come on, just raise your hands all over the room. Yes, Lord, we love you, Jesus. Come on, even right now, just breathe in what he's saying and doing to you. Yes, Lord. Just even now, brothers and sisters, just be filled. The Bible said Jesus sent, before he sent the disciples out, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Just receive. I'm not trying to make you Pentecostal, Church of God, Assembly of God. I'm just trying to make you like the microphone. God just wants you to have the power to be able to live as an effective witness. Come on, we should worship him. His presence is in this room. Set up fire down in my soul. Can't contain, can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set up fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more. Come on, cry out to God. Don't just leave this morning with head knowledge. Cry out to Him. No place. No place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in Do that verse one more time. No place. You mean it? No place I would rather Set a fire down. 
listen to me. As your pastor, some of you are going to begin to be led more by the Holy Spirit this week. Some of you are going to begin to hear things and you're going to go, is that me? And it's not. You're going to begin to feel stronger impressions because you're, you're opening up to, you need the power. And he's very personal. He will remind you. He will illuminate the truth. He will lead you and guide you. He'll be a paraclete come alongside you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You feel like you've been in church this morning? Yes. If we have, then the community where we're going is going to have some shoulders up and shoulders down. Some witnesses, eyewitnesses of Jesus. Wombs that have Jesus growing up and being birthed out and through us. Transformation not only to us, but through us. In the name of, how many of you want to be salt and light? How many of you want to see our world become a better place? How many of you, listen to me, how many of you will say, I want God to use me in my corner of the world? How many of you know our country needs it? How many of you will say, come on, our church, God, use our church in this corner of Atlanta in the name of Jesus to be a force of good, not of evil, of love and not hate. God's plan is not through the White House, it's through the church house. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the power gets turned on. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for this time together in your word. I thank you for these precious, hungry people. You are sending such high quality, high caliber, high capacity people. Why? Because they're hungry. Not just because they're educated or live out in the suburbs. We're hungry for you, Lord. You're gathering us, like-minded people, and empowering us. And when we gather, when we pull on the parking lot, we walk up the sidewalk and into this sanctuary. Yes, we, we feel you. And we thank you for it. You are here transforming us. And we are thankful for it, Lord. I pray as small groups gather tonight, I pray for every people group to have that ring of fire around them like the prophet said in the Old Testament. When, you, when my people gather, I will be for them a ring of fire. Reveal yourself to us. Build us up. Transform us. Transform our children, our families, our nation. Yes, our nation. For righteousness exalts a nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We're not throwing in the towel and we're not fighting in the flesh, but in the spirit, we are fighting and contending. And we thank you that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And over this nation, we reclaim it in prayer. Raise up a righteous remnant that you can use to transform and send revival. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And let it start here. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, y'all listen real good. And when you listen good, it makes me want to keep going. And I just, I'm so thankful to be able to preach in a place that I'm not having to force feed you. Preach in a place where people are hungry. 
I see it on your faces. Even right, it touches me. Something special is happening in the earth. We're in the middle of it right now. This isn't just another church service. That's why we're not talking about here. We're talking about here too. How many of you are going home five pounds lighter in the, by faith in the name of Jesus? I feel like I got a burden off my shoulders this morning. God is good. So don't forget Wednesday night, prayer on Tuesday nights. If you're new, the Tuesday night prayer gathering and Saturday morning prayer gathering, the Sunday morning early prayer gathering, the Thursday women's prayer gathering, they are the engine of this church. We'd love to have you join us. Tuesday nights is a great place to get introduced to the ministry of prayer. It's from 6 to 7 p.m. right here. Dean and Lisa lead us in worship. We'd love to have you. And then Wednesday night, I hope you can be with us. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance and show you his peace. Give you his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Will you say I receive it? God bless you all. Have a good afternoon, a great week. I love you.